Welcome. Oh, wow. What a good morning. I'm just going to tell you, it's been a long week, uh, just so you know. I don't know if you had a long week, but uh, there were some, some sort of momentous things going on this week that I, I was privileged to be a part of and, and, and started to realize some things. Um, I want to share with you, uh, we, I have been talking and sharing with you since the beginning of, of the year about relationships, and I sort of titled all these messages Relationship 2021, because here's the thing that I learned and discovered uh, um, years ago in my own life is that God is a God of relationship, the whole idea of, of creation in that God created all that we see, and particularly mankind and Adam and Eve, particularly in the beginning, and had relationship, had a walk with them, had a talk with them. They spent time together. And then sin enters and, and, and divides. And I've got this cool little bracelet now, y'all. It's really cool. I want to show it to you. FCA is using this now for, for witnessing, and it's called the four. And there's a little heart, and that means uh, you, you, if you're witnessing with this bracelet, you say, God loves you. He loves you just incredibly, and then there's a little uh, a divided sign there, you know, division sign, and, and, and our sin divides us, separates us from God, and then the third one is the cross, and you say, but, but Jesus rescued us. You know, Jesus died on the cross that we might, might uh, know and experience and have that relationship and love relationship with God. And then the question is, do you want Jesus? And you see, and so I, I went to a big, long two-hour meeting yesterday morning to get this. Um, I get to be called the character coach uh, at Dixon High School, okay, uh, for the football team and FCA, and it's cool, it's fun, and all that sort of thing, and I've been hanging out with the folks at Dixon now for about seven or eight years, and, uh, and about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, I had the privilege of meeting many coaches and that sort of thing, and, and so this week, for, uh, many of, if you're from this area, some of you know the name Phil Paget, Phil um, was was longtime coach, I think twenty something years at, at Southwest Onslow High School, and and like Dixon's here and Southwest here, and uh, they don't have a relationship. I mean, they do, but it's usually across the football field, right? And uh, but Phil and I became friends several years ago, and about four years ago, I was asked to do his and Michelle's wedding, and Phil and and Michelle and and Leslie would attend and sit right back there where y'all are, about nine twenty-five, and and um, and and Phil had been diagnosed with cancer sometime back, but Phil and I were friends. We'd run into each other on the beach. We'd run each other on the street, and, and Phil ran, and Phil played golf, and Phil surfed, and as well as, as, as led, led the uh, stallions up there to state championships. But anyway, we were friends, had a relationship, you know, and, um, and, and got to share with him about faith and all that sort of thing. And then uh, Friday night, I was asked, Phil asked before he passed away, that I be given the opportunity to speak at his memorial. And it was at the football stadium up there. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, I've been in this stadium before, but I was over there, you know, pointing out the fact that I was on the opposing team side. And, and yet I did get to share about the kingdom. And I got to share about Phil's relationship with, with, with Jesus. And, and that was a cool thing. And so, so I've been talking about relationships and how um, the enemy, the adversary of God, is at work uh, in every way trying to divide relationships. 
The truth is, is that his greatest goal would be to divide us from our relationship with God. That's what we see in the garden in Genesis, separating God's own children, God's own creation uh, from, from that relationship uh, with God. And so now I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I mean, the, the world around us is at work trying to break up relationships. It's trying to, 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 to isolate and, and trying to, to make us feel, sort of sense this, this defeat. And, and yet God has promised and given us victory throughout his word and assured us uh, of a victory that we have that, that is in him. And, and it doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from the securities or the promises or the, 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 the structures of this world. We have victory in Christ. We have victory because God always is victorious. Okay? So, uh, we don't walk around as God's kids in defeat. And yet, <laughs> there's sometimes an oops in the body. Did y'all know that? So the first week I preached on the first relationship, the most important relationship, where Jesus said, if you continue, remain, abide in my word, then you really are my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? You know, that truth isn't shared by Twitter. Some people share it on Twitter, but Twitter's not in charge of that truth. God is. All right? So, uh, anyway, I just point that out because the world is, is, is pressing in on us. And so we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And then, and then last week I shared in Acts chapter 2 where the, the body continued or, or devoted themselves uh, regularly to, to the relationship within the body. To, to this idea of coming together as the body of Christ and being connected to one another and, and sharing. And, and really the New Testament koinonia is this idea of bearing one another's burdens. You know, and I, and I go ahead and admit that I, all my week I knew that Friday was going to be a tough day. I mean, Friday's one of those rare days where I actually had two funerals, okay? But, but as, I, as I stood in front of folks and, and realized that, you know, all of God's creation, we long for relationship. We were creative. Now, you might be a loner. You might be one of those folks who say, yeah, I don't really like people, right? But God created us for relationship. First of all, this relationship with him. And he's, he's given it and invited us to it and provided for it and paid for it, bought us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And yet... All of the forces around us would try to separate us from that relationship. And now within the body of Christ, we're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to have this, this fellowship, this koinonia with one another where the disciples, they devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, not just fellowship over fried chicken, but to one another. They devoted themselves to one another. How devoted are you to the people in this room? See, last week we called it Connect Sunday, and, and, and we came back together on Sunday evening for, for, for a worship time, which was really good. We enjoyed that. That was great. And then we all saw, most of us transitioned over to the fellowship hall, and I, and I saw new people there. 
I saw folks who, who, who I hadn't met before and, and folks who were getting there and they were meeting. They were beginning, establishing, initiating relationship within the body of Christ. And then, and then I'll just tell you, I walked into the fellowship hall Thursday morning and there were women everywhere. I mean, the whole table was full of women getting ready to study what is Revelation? No. What are y'all studying on Thursday morning? Okay, that's not a book in the Bible. Okay, well, anyway. No, it's a Bible study called Seeking God, and they were, they were lined around the table. And I thought, look at all these folks, that they've come together to connect, to, to come together in, in fellowship and relationship around the Word of God. Guess what those ladies were doing? They were, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. See that? That's what God's called us to. We can't let the forces... The principalities, you know, the scheming of, of the adversary, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call it, to divide God's people, God's work, what God's doing. And yet, today is Servant Relationship Sunday. And I'm going to focus on an oops. So the body of Christ in, in the book of Acts was doing well, right? Thousands we're getting saved and baptized. I mean, you know, I've jokingly said, you know, First Baptist Jerusalem had grown by leaps and bounds in those first few days, right? You know, it, it just thousands, and they were gathering in the temple courtyard, and, and, and it was a large group gathering, and, and they were taking up, uh, they were receiving gifts and offerings and foods and stuff like that, and they were, they were sharing it out so that, that no one lacked, that people had what they needed to live and all. And, and then by the time we get to Acts chapter 6, whoops, suddenly there's a division, uh, and, and I listened to one preacher this week. He said, don't you know how uh, uh, Dr. Luke decided to put in writing, you know, the, 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 the apostles and the leadership's first great failure, <laughs> right? <laughs> it says, in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So here you got, you've got an ethnic divide. You've got a cultural divide. You've got an animosity that is beginning between these two groups within the body of Christ where, where, you know, you can almost see it. Let's put an aisle down the middle and go, they're on this side pointing at them on that side, and they're on this side pointing at them on that side and saying, y'all are getting more stuff than we are. I mean, go ahead and look at it. This is a basic statement, a sentence that Luke's put in here that the complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against now, they weren't complaining about the apostles. The, the complaint was against the Hebraic Jews. You've got a, an ethnic cultural divide going on right here. Suddenly, the body of Christ, which you can see it in, in chapters 1 through 5, and they were in one accord. And they were all in one accord. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And you see this unity in, in, in the body of Christ throughout Acts. And then all of a sudden, right? The 12... We know who they are, 11 plus 1, summoned the whole company of the disciples together. The whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up teaching, give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. 
But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Decanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So who are the disciples? Now, here's one of those things. This is just a really general, general sort of question. We, we, we confuse this sometimes. Do you know that in this time, even during Jesus' time before he was crucified, that his followers were called disciples? It wasn't just 12. We kind of confuse that disciple. Now, the, first, the 12, the closest, those that, that walked with him in ministry, sort of that prophet and, and sort of a, a student kind of relationship between Jesus and the, the, the 12 apostles, they followed and saw his works and they were close to him. And, and the picture of Old Testament uh, student schooling, that, that prophet following thing, was that uh, you walk so close to your teacher that the dust that he kicks up falls on your shoe. That's the picture of the Old Testament prophet, right? I mean, Elijah, Elisha, that sort of picture. But who are the disciples that were taught? Certainly the 12 are disciples. But when it says, as the disciples were increasing in number, this is the thousands. And the first definition of the, the, the title or the name disciple is learner. Someone who is learning. Someone who is, 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 is receiving the teaching of, of uh, the revelation of God and, and the teaching of Jesus and they're receiving it and they're applying it and they're learning it and it's changing who they are and it's shaping their lives. It's making them into new and different people because they're receiving the message of God. And so they were increasing in number and there arose a complaint. Never happened in a church today, right? Never a complaint, ne never a problem, right? But there, there arose this complaint because they were, they were trying to take care of each other. They were trying to love each other. They were in relationship together, bearing one another's burdens and all that sort of thing. And, and so, so as they were receiving goods and, and things and they were distributing those things out, or, or maybe, for instance, like in chapter 5 where, where uh, a piece of land is sold and the money is given for, for, the, for the body of Christ and to serve those in the body of Christ. And then you got the liars that show up in chapter 5 and die right there at the front. You know, that whole thing, Ananias and Sapphira. So, so you got the body moving together in unity and wholeness and then all of a sudden there's this division because as they're trying to take care of one of them something went wrong um, it, it's obvious that the complaint was valid right let's go ahead and admit it the apostles who were leading during this time missed something Right? Now there's thousands. And the apostles are at that point the only ones that are, are leading in this, this thing. And, and, and so there's a pattern that, that, they, that they're adopting from, from the, the temple synagogue type worship. And so they're saying, well, we're receiving these things so we can take care of those who are in need. But the apostles are going, look, we're only 12. 
We can't do all of this. And they said, and besides, there is a priority for us that, that was entrusted to us by Jesus that we've got to spend time in the Word. We've got to spend time in the teaching so that we can relate these things, so that we can share with you how to be who God called us to be in the world that's coming against us. You see? So he says to him, he says, brothers and sisters, uh, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom. So, so you've got these learner followers of Jesus uh, who are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they come together and devote themselves to one another, the fellowship. They eat and break bread together and they pray. Okay? And the apostles say, pick from among you Seven men. Now, nobody, seven, perfect number, maybe, yeah, seven men. All right? Now, here's, here's the question. What were they doing? Right? Did they, did they collect resumes? Well, let's see here. Uh, this man has been a member of the body for several years now, and uh, he's here every Sunday. No, we've never seen him do any work, but uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> what was it? What were, what, all right, first of all, what was the body doing? What were those that they were supposed to select doing? Okay? And, and you know, um, we're going to get to the end of this message today, and my question is going to be, what are you doing? Just going to point that out ahead of time so you know. All right? Um, some of you know that, that, that I get hung up on, on words and the misuse of them. Okay? That's why the staff still has a little twitch when, when they use the word church. Okay? The word service. Have you noticed we don't call this a service? What do we call this? A gathering. Why don't we call it a service? <laughs> because we ain't doing nothing. That's right. I'm going to service. Really? What are you going to do? You going to vacuum before we start? You know. See, the idea is is that 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 some of the things we talk about here uh, is about serving the diakonos, the the diakonoi, the the word deacon. That it, it it's not an English word. It's a it's a Greek word, and all we did was transliterate it into English and make it deacon, right? But the word specifically, bluntly, means to serve, servant, service. And so, what they were called to do was to look within the body of thousands and pick. Seven. Seven. Okay? To do what? Wait tables, according to the apostles. Because he says it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Well, I can see somebody sitting at the corner of First Baptist Jerusalem going, uh-huh, getting a little uppity, aren't they? Those apostles think they're pretty important now. Uh, waiting tables and serving people is a little, 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 little low on the totem pole for them, right? I, I can, oh man, I, y'all know, I've been, 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 been in ministry for near forty years now, and I'm looking at it going, oh, I can hear it, you know. 
But I can also tell you, I know some pastors that uh, get distracted by stopped up toilets on Sunday morning right before they got to preach too, just so you know. But what he's saying is, is that guess what? The body of Christ is growing. We're being blessed. And not that we should elevate anybody in the body, but that the body needs to serve each other. And we're going to establish some folks to lead service, to lead in serving. And he's calling out some leaders. Do you think these seven serve the thousands by themselves? Or maybe, maybe these seven had, had what's the schools calling them now? Cohorts. I mean, the Roman soldiers had cohorts. They might as well have cohorts in the body of Christ. You see, to make sure that the distribution that met the needs of the community and the body was being made. And so, so you've got these, he says, he says, he says uh, they got a good, how do you have a good reputation? Anybody know? See, there you go. You just got to do it. Right? How do you have, all right, so what did they say? He said, oh, let's see now, Stephen over there. Good reputation? Mm, let's see, well, doesn't beat his wife. Uh, not given to much alcohol. Uh, Seems to lead in his home well. You know, I'm going back to the Titus Timothy passages, right? Where, where as the, the, the service within the body of Christ began to develop, they began to come up with these things going, look, we see this in these men's lives. We see these men living a good reputation. It even goes so far in Timothy and Titus to say that, that they should be above reproach. That doesn't mean they're perfect. It just means that they live a life that doesn't give others cause to condemn them or find fault with them. Okay? So pick seven who have a good reputation, full of the Spirit. Look out now. Body of Christ can divine that for you. Well, he's got the Spirit if he does this. And he doesn't have the Spirit if he don't do this. You see? I get a little about that. You know what? If you're living your life based on the power of the Holy Spirit, it will be evident. It'll be an obvious thing. Okay? If you're living your life not based on the Holy Spirit, guess what? It'll be an obvious thing. Okay? Watchman Nee and, and, and to some degree John Eldridge both in books I've read in the past and love a great deal say that um, if you are broken and the Spirit of God is alive in you and you walk into a room and another person enters the room and they've been broken and living by the Spirit of God, you don't have to communicate that. The Spirit communicates that between you so that you know by the Spirit of God in you that that's my brother. That's somebody I can count on. That's somebody who'll be there. You see? We've, we've kind of lost that in the body of Christ, y'all. We're kind of missing it a little bit. But, but, but in these first days, the 12 said, find these guys. 
And then finally, you, you connect the, the, the and between spirit and wisdom, connected a uh, good reputation, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. This is a tough one to find. <laughs> it's like you, you, you look for the person, and there are kids in the room, so I have to be careful now, who don't make <clears throat> nonsensical decisions. There's a word that starts with S and ends with oopid. That's not these people. These people show wisdom. These people are, they walk circumspectly, as Paul puts it later. The idea of walking uprightly. And, 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 and for these guys, it's obvious. Because immediately you see Luke's account here, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, uh, who is a convert from Antioch. So, so out of thousands, these seven in these characteristics were so obvious that they just rose to the top. And the congregation was pleased at the suggestion and, and the choosing. And so they came for the commissioning. We would call it ordination as they came before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so they served the body of Christ. And we know Stephen is that first martyr. Just a few chapters from now, Stephen gets stoned with Saul hanging out with the coat room. Okay, so it was obvious. Now, mm, how did they know these things about these people? And here you go, the challenge for you and I. Is it obvious in your life that you're continuing in Jesus' words? Is it obvious in your life that you are devoted to the words of Jesus and, and, and to the fellowship and the bearing of one another's burdens and breaking bread? Is it obvious? Because if it's not, change something. I've told you some of my favorite counseling admonitions people come and say i just can't get this done i can't get this right i can't get that right i keep doing this i keep doing that nah, nah, nah. and, and the best word stop it so if you're not doing those things that are obvious to serving god start it today you know if your reputation doesn't point to jesus change something Okay. If, if, if you're not living by the power of the Spirit of God in your life, then get on your knees and surrender and sacrifice and confess sin and repent of it and give God the power in your life. Because God will give power in your life. You see? And if you... Oh, hmm. I'm sorry, there's a frustration in some of this stuff for me that I'm letting show. Probably not good preaching technique, but hey. 
Tell how many times a week I cross people who just do not exercise wisdom. I mean, they just do some of the most absurd things, make some of the, 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 the wrongest choices. Right? And because I get to be a pastor, somehow I'm supposed to fix it. Now, I'll help every, everything I can do to help. But I can't undo your mess. God can. But that comes with that comes with that surrender. That comes with that confession and that turn from sin. You see? You know, one preacher I heard says, you know, God will take your mess and make a message. You see? I like that little phrase. How did the congregation know that these seven, because these seven lived it, it was who they are? Wasn't that they were, they didn't go through their day with a checklist going, okay, yes, I, uh, I helped that lady across the street, you know. I gave my last $10 to that poor person. It wasn't like they checked it off on a check. They just did as God led them because they were full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, and they were living out that reputation. That's how the congregation knew. Now, here's the question. How about you? What is your reputation? You know, we live in a world where bad boy reputation is something people try to acquire, right? I get to speak to football teams. I have been for several years now. And I go, folks, don't run to the gutter. Don't live your life out of the ditch. I mean, if you're always wallowing in the ditch, guess what? You can expect to get dirty. You know, you don't have to get in there. You know? And yet, there, 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 there's some sort of worldly esteem given to those who, who are, are, are the, the bad boyish. Right? That's not these guys. Stephen, Stephen wasn't held in, in high regard because he was the, the bad boy of First Baptist Jerusalem. You see that? And then finally, and I'm going to address this, because this is what, it, 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 when you look down through here when it says this, um, because we will, and this is the 12, because they have a, a, a different calling in the body, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Uh, in Acts 2, like I shared last week, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now I'm gonna highlight this, cause, cause, all right. So, so one, hey, we're changing software, y'all. Doesn't have anything to do with Act Six, but I want y'all to know, we changed software last year. We're changing again this year. Uh, we we want to be able to communicate effectively, right? And so now you'll be getting these text messages from at the gathering, Surf City, right? And, uh, and so you'll get text message with alerts and you'll get emails with these alerts and calendar things and things that you can be a part of. And, and you might get angry that you're getting too many and, 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 and sort of disfellowship or, or unfriend or something. Don't. 
What we're attempting to do is to connect the body. And so there's, a, there's an announcement that goes out. Uh, usually on Friday morning early it says, Call to prayer. People are going to get together and pray at 10 o'clock on Friday morning. They open the doors. Whoever shows up to pray comes to pray. I got a picture, but I didn't have a chance to get it on the screen up here. But you see, men and women gathered. They were all standing like right here. There was about seven or eight of them. And, and it wasn't prayer meeting, but it was prayer meeting. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to get together and we're going to do this and do this. What are we going to do? We're going to come pray. Because guess what? We each individually need prayer. The body of Christ needs prayer. Our community needs prayer. Our country needs prayer. The world we live in needs prayer. The apostles devoted themselves to prayer. In Acts 2, they devoted themselves to prayer. You know? I mean, let me ask a question, and it's kind of a nonsense rhetorical question, so I don't really expect you to answer it. But how many of you pray enough? See, let's go ahead and admit it. <laughs> I mean, because the, the New Testament teaches us to pray without ceasing. To pray continually. To pray all the time. And there is a strength when we come together in prayer. There's a strength when we, when we are verbalizing in our relationship with God. That, that for instance, when Scott's praying, man, it, it gives me insight into Scott's relationship with God. And, and that builds me up. And when Nick's praying, that, that lets me see something of some things that Nick has learned in prayer and, and in his relationship with God. And that strengthens me and builds me up. If you're not getting together within the body of Christ or with other Christians and praying, you're missing out on something. You want to know why the struggle is a struggle when sometimes it doesn't have to be as much of a struggle? It's because we're not praying enough. Okay? I want to encourage you to prayer. Who are the disciples? You are. What are you doing? What are you doing? To show the world that Jesus has made a difference in who you are. Right? How will they know that you follow Jesus? There's the challenge. During the next hour, we're going to ordain, commission uh, another new deacon. We did a few, we did three or four, I guess three or four months ago. We, we've ordained some new pastors in the last few months. But as we move into 2021, we did the deacon selection process. And we've got a young man that, that his story, his story of what Christ has done in his life is miraculous. Some of you know Stephen Begab. Uh, Stephen came here and, and, and from a difficult situation. He had given himself over to some, some, some dependency in his home place and came down here to be with his brother because he found support and he found encouragement. And guess what? He found Jesus. And God has transformed that young man. And he helps and he serves and he counsels and, and he spends time with people to encourage them and to help them. 
And that was recognized within the body. And so he's like the seven. He was, he was selected, picked, whatever you want to call it. And so we're going to ordain Stephen to deacon ministry during the next hour. We're going to call him down here and we're all going to kind of huddle around him and, and lay hands on him and pray for him. You see? He's living it. And so the challenge for me and the challenge for you and the challenge in the body of Christ is are you? See, we learn all this because the apostles made a mistake. Now, I know that's hard to look at, but it is. I heard one preacher this week, uh, I was listening to a message from way back years ago. He said, can you imagine the next Sunday after they appointed the seven and Stephen showed up at the table with the Hellenistic or the Hebraic Jews and Stephen comes up and goes, uh, here ladies, here's your, here, the widow's table right, here's your food. And one of them in the corner went, well, where's Peter? What, Peter, P- Peter's not going to come serve me anymore? Well, what? Uh, See, folks, we got to get ourselves out of the way. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about lifting him up. Because Jesus was the one who said in John 3, When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So we got to lift Jesus. Okay? That's where it starts. That's what it's all about. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for this day, the day that you've given us to come and celebrate and worship you. And God, we want to be bowed. We want to be surrendered. We want to be sacrificed, living sacrifices, Paul writes in Romans. God, help us to give up ourselves. It's not about us. It's not even about our understanding. It's about our surrender. It's about our sacrifice. God, you have called us. To crucify ourselves every day. So God, this morning as we celebrate relationship. First our relationship with you. Second our relationship with each other. And then the opportunity of relationship that we have to serve those around us. God, let us not look for our recognition. But let us give up. Let us surrender ourselves to each other. Thank you God for today. God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, bring them forward. If there's somebody here that needs to be a part of what you're doing here at this gathering, join, be members, bring them forward. If there are Christians here who are serving themselves instead of you, then God, I pray you just convict them in this moment and let them spend some time in conversation and communion with you to be able to confess and repent of sin. God, thank you. Thank you that you have called us out. God, help us to live it in Jesus' name. Amen.